Attention, air traffic control. A flock of eagles is heading to Arizona. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, here we go, here we go, Raider Nation. Another day, the final day here in Arizona. We are on Radio Row. We've been here all week long, the Phoenix Convention Center. Many thanks to Subaru of Las Vegas. Many thanks to Spearmint Rhino who helped us get here. And it's been a fun, fun ride. We've been rocking and rolling, rolling and rocking, whatever you want to call it. We've been doing it. And especially today, we have really been going hard in the paint and closing things out the right way. We've got a massive show lined up for you. You cannot wait to get into it. But, Damon, you're about to complete your first week, your first time ever on Radio Row. What's the, what's, what's the vibe been like for you? Uh, it's been a real busy day when it comes to actually working. But... It's been busy all week, and I've enjoyed the experience. I can already say that my takeaway is that I didn't do enough. That's my takeaway. So, that as we sit down to do the show here on Friday, I already know. I'm feeling it. You didn't do enough. So that's my biggest takeaway as of right now as we start the show. Well, I'll tell you right now, as I'm trying to put this tweet out about the guests we have coming up on this show, there's not enough characters for what we have. <laughs> the show I've, tweet? Yes, I've already ran out of characters <laughs> with who's coming up on the show. So that tells you I think we did do enough. Uh, especially today, uh, I know that the the week it's all you never really know exactly how it's going to shake out and what it's going to look like. But uh, yeah, I, I believe we did more than enough because as I do this tweet, I'll tell you right now, as soon as I finish putting the last one in, just just for s's and giggles, we are forty six characters over. So, <laughs> so I got to eliminate forty. Yeah, so I don't think I can uh, put out the whole tweet. I'll just get rid of this guy's title. So there you go. There's I just eliminated. Well, I eliminated about 21. So there you go. I don't know what to do, but we're going to get right into it because we're going to have a fantastic show. Now we're down to 14. All right, hold on. Uh, this is this is the puzzle I go through every day trying to put this show lineup together. We need eight spots. I don't see them. Eliminate that space between Pelicero and the uh, Pacific time. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm working it now. I'm down to five. Raider Nation, we might be on to something. I'm down to <laughs> hold on. Hold on, I'm feeling good about myself. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm almost there. I think we're, I want to say we're, I think we're legal. I think we're legal. All right, so if you're already listening to the show, <laughs> go check out the tweet. I haven't put it out yet. I haven't, I haven't officially tweeted it yet. Don't, don't give it away yet. Oh, no, negative one. Oh, come on. There's there one. Is. All right, but then I think it, oh, there I am, zero. Boom. All right, here we go, Raider Nation. <laughs> this is what happens on the fifth day on Radio Row when you're uh, exhausted and you have no idea what's going on, uh, these are the kind of fun conversations that we have. But I just tweeted it out. I tweeted out the show lineup, but let me go ahead and go through it real quick. Oh, oh, pay attention. It might, it might miss you. Coming up in a matter of seconds, Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network. He'll talk all things NFL. Former Raider fullback Alec Engel, now Miami Dolphin fullback. He'll join the show about his new book that he has out, excited about his new book. Then Kevin Harlan, one of my two favorite play-by-play voices of all time. One of my two favorite of all time. I'll let you imagine who the other one is. Kevin Harlan's one. I'll let you imagine who the other guy is. 245, our good friend Kay Adams. Uh, she'll join the show for a couple minutes. Had an opportunity as she was walking by the table just to catch up with her and, uh, you know, talk a little talk with her for a few minutes. So Kay Adams will close out hour number one. Then the top of the second hour, 3 o'clock, Nate Burleson. He'll join the show. Nate Burleson was looking sharp, man. My man is always uh, looking good, and he just went into the, the Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame when we were uh, there for the Shrine Bowl in Allegiant Stadium. And so uh, we'll talk to him about the NFL. We'll talk to him about the game coming up. We'll talk to him about the Shrine Bowl and a whole lot more. Then at 3.15, Mac Hollins and Vanessa from Special Olympics will join the show. Then at 3.30, Hans Schroeder, Executive Vice Pres uh, Principal, President, excuse me, and COO of NFL Media. He'll join the show at 3.30. 345, Taylor Bashotti from NFL Network. 4 o'clock, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. 415, Roman Harper with DeMond from yesterday. We didn't get to get to that conversation. He'll, he'll, you'll hear that conversation. Then at 430, this is like the DeMond hour. 430, Chris Johnson, CJ2K, former Tennessee Titan running back. Chris Johnson will join the show at 430. And then at 445, Akbar Biamila. Perfect. You like how I did that? I, I, I put it to memory. I put it to memory. And what I mean by that, well, you'll understand what I mean by that later on in the show when you hear that conversation. Just know Akbar will be a part of the show at 445. Really fun conversation with Akbar. Just, again, 
I put it to memory as he suggested. So let's go ahead. You, do we mind? Should we get this party started? Let's do it. Let's get this party started. Off top, Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network joined our show a little while ago to talk all things NFL. Back here on Radio Row, Phoenix, Arizona. We are in the convention center on the final day of this Radio Row before Super Bowl 57 kicks off on Sunday. And right now we're joined at the table by NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. And how busy have you been? NFL Honors was last night. How cool was that? It's always fun. Uh, my wife actually flew out, as she does every year. She brought a friend out, too. You, you can kind of become numb to it after you've been to you know right. a handful of those. But, it, yeah, it's still cool just seeing you know various people from around the league who don't normally get together, and you know it's, it's always a cool night. Dak Prescott, he won uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year. That's always one of the, the higher honors, I think. You know, it's, it's just a, a great name attached to it. Obviously, it has a high meaning, but just what do you think of, of Dak winning that? Well, I know how, how much the – tragedies in, in Dak's life have impacted him from right. his mother uh, to his brother. And so, you know, to hear those words that he said last night, I thought was just really impressive. I think that everybody who comes across Dak knows how impressive of a guy he mm -hmm. is. He's obviously, you know, tried to use, you know, his brother's suicide to really open doors for other people and to create resources that are badly needed. Um, so, yeah, to see him honored was was really cool. I mean, that's that's one of those rare honors. You know, even when you win MVP, you don't walk around with an MVP patch on your jersey right. for the rest of your career. But when right. you win the, win the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, you have that, and it's a pretty exclusive fraternity. Well, what about Damar Hamlin also uh, being in attendance and, and being able to be there and speak to the audience? Audience as well, and he was at the uh, the NFLPA's press conference on Thursday as well because he got their highest honor, the right. uh, Alan Page Community Award. And then, yeah, seeing all of his doctors and everybody on stage, I mean, I, that was one of the most unique and still is unique episodes in NFL history. You know, yeah. the NFL stops for nothing, right? And the NFL stopped that night. Mm -hmm. They literally canceled a game, right? Which shows you how much it impacted, you know, the people on the field. Uh, there's, there's so many scenarios where it could have been a far worse outcome. I mean, it could have been absolutely tragic. Right. And I think that for all the focus on, you know, what was communicated during the game and whether they were going to resume it and all those things, those are all fair, fair things to discuss. The fact of the matter is the NFL and the NFLPA have put into place these protocols for years, and they rehearsed them. Every year in every stadium, and they have the ambulances there, and yeah. they have the, the airway physician. They have all these things. Again, it never comes up. Right. Like, imagine if you had one coach who was assigned to something that in 50 years had never happened. Never it's had like, to call what, that why play, do we have right? him on staff? Yeah, never had what, to call, What's yeah. the deal with this guy? Right. That's literally how it's set up. And, yes, there's injuries, and there's serious, you know, there's scary things. There's neck injuries. There's yeah. concussions. But – uh, a sudden cardiac arrest on the field and the need to rush and literally sit, bring him back to life. Right, right. Literally bring him back. Uh, we've never we've never seen anything like it. So a cool way for the NFL to honor honor those doctors. Yeah. And, and honor DeMar Hamlin. You know, the next question is going to be, can he play again? Mm -hmm. You know, at some point, is he going to come back? This is, we're still many steps right. away from that. But, I mean, you look at him. And you certainly don't think he can't ever do it again. Exactly. A lot of boxes you got to check before you get there, but just the fact that he's alive and able to inspire people like that is, is just extremely cool. It was great to see him. It really was. And, and the story, obviously, we all are going to remember exactly where we were when we found out you know, the news of what had happened on that Monday night football game. Again, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero is with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. My man Damon's got one for you. Yeah, i got to ask you about that class of 2023 when it comes to who was inducted, and we saw that no receivers making it in. What do you think about that? The receiver is always a tough position, but I had the exact same reaction you did, which was <laughs> once they said, here's the class, I was like, looking right. up and down the row, <laughs> not a single one. And I had heard, you know, that Reggie Wayne didn't make it in. Torrey Holt's still not in, which right. is unbelievable it's nuts. to me. You know, there's always that log jam, and there's, you know, especially in the modern NFL, there's so many productive receivers that you end up with a lot of people with, with strong cases. I mean, just think about the NFL right now. How many players, how many wide receivers in the NFL right now would you say are Hall of Fame caliber players? And we can probably just sit here and name a dozen of them, including one on the Raiders. Right. Can all those guys get in? When will they get in? Right. The fact that, yeah, guys like, like Holt and Reggie, you know, can't get in, I think that shows you how high of a bar it is. And, and there's, you know, certainly fair points to be raised about, you know, some of the people who are getting in at other positions and relative to their impact on the game, should they be getting in 
above those wide receivers? It's a tough call. I'm not a part of that uh, part of that <laughs> panel, but I'm sure it's an interesting debate every year. And then I got to ask you about Patrick Mahomes winning his second MVP. This year was the first time that they had a ranking voting. Right. I know you probably didn't vote, but do you think that that's a better way to vote for the MVP? I used to have a vote. Then when I went to NFL Network, they took the vote away because you're not allowed to work at NFL Network and have a vote. There you go. Uh, which I was not thrilled with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I mean, I got a lot. I have play to say on that process, but I, I understand. It's not about me. It's about their rules, and they can make up whatever rules they want to. Uh, the fact that Mahomes got 48 first-place votes, I think, just shows you, you know, the type of year that he had. I mean, yeah. I, I'm of the mind, and I've said this before, and I know this hurts for Raiders Nation, but Patrick Mahomes may well be the greatest player we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He's 27. Right. He's won two MVPs. He's won a Super Bowl. He's got a chance to win another one. He's been to a, a third. Right. And he's five years into his career. Mm-hmm. He's got this long, long runway here. He's played through injuries. He's not somebody who's overly reliant on his legs, and so you're not looking at him going, okay, well, when his physical skills start to diminish, is his career going to drop off? Right. He can play from the pocket. He can win in every which way. I think, in my mind, Mahomes is like Bill Belichick for 20 years when Bill was, you know, every year you could have made the case. Bill Belichick's the coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Never won it. He right. won it a few times. Right. But like right. He could have won it for like 15 years in a row. Yeah. People get bored voting for Patrick Mahomes every year. Mm-hmm. It's the only reason that he doesn't win. Right perpetually and yes some years are, are better than others this was certainly a great one but w- when you saw the voting and i know jalen hurts got a first place vote too josh allen got a first place vote they did use that that ranking system for the first time with you, know, you voted one through five some interesting names that got a, a vote or two in there you know god bless justin fields he's got a chance to be really good was he an mvp candidate this year on a no. team that won four games right that, that's three four games whatever it was maybe not maybe did maybe a little soon for that um but no, I think that it makes sense because, you know, this was a year where no matter what voting system you used, Mahomes would have won because it's such a runaway. Right. But there's other years where it's much more split. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that voting system is going to be impactful in other years. This just wasn't the one. Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network is here with us on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, we're uh, in Las Vegas. We're all on Derek Carr watch, right? I mean, spent some time with the Saints, a couple days with the Saints. What are you hearing? What do you, what do you think is going to end up happening with that situation, saying they've got to make a decision by a couple days after the Super Bowl? Well, let's, let's lay out the, the scenario here, and I'm sure most Raiders fans know it by now, but his guarantees, $40.4 million, become fully vested Technically the third day after the Super Bowl, but really it's 4 p.m. Eastern time on Mm -hmm. Tuesday the 14th. So if the Raiders cannot trade him by that point, they could keep him. They could let the guarantees vest. I would regard that as highly unlikely, and he's probably going to be released if he can't be traded. Mm -hmm. The Raiders set parameters in terms of the only way they were going to allow Derek Carr to speak to teams while he's still under contract with them is if they agree to framework of a trade. Mm -hmm. The only team that had done that as of yesterday was the Saints. Right. And they have a framework of a trade in place. Derek Carr could well end up there. He's got connections. Obviously, Dennis Allen's the head coach. Does he waive his no-trade clause, though, to go there? Right. Does he want to talk to other teams first? Does he think that he can get more than $40.4 million guaranteed? Mm-hmm. Those all factor in here. Uh, I would say whatever the trade would be if a trade would happen, I don't anticipate that it's going to be a blockbuster type of windfall for the Raiders. Right. So, you know, the idea that, you know, you're going to get, you know, a Deshaun Watson type of, of trade package, probably unrealistic right. with Derek Carr at this point. There's absolutely a market for him. There's mm-hmm. other teams that are going to be interested. The Saints make a ton of sense for him. Um, but, you know, he holds the cards here. Absolutely. Based on how that contract was set up. Right. An extension that he never actually saw the extended years, um, but he's got the power with the no-trade clause. What do you think is a realistic compensation if the Saints were to give something up? I mean, it, it, probably not more than a mid-round pick. Again, mm-hmm. it's, there's only one team that's agreed right. to the trade. I, I don't think that it's a, a first-rounder. Right, right. Um, I, I would not anticipate that. They have that. two fifth-round picks, so I was kind of eyeballing that, like maybe they would give up one of those fives. It could be It could be something with conditions on it, too. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of maneuver through this, but it, it's not, you know, go back to last year. Matt Ryan was kind of in a similar spot. That was mm-hmm. a third-round pick. Right. Right, where he's he's gone, they need to unload the salary, Everybody knew he was leaving. There was one real suitor, and the Colts gave him a three. Right. That's probably 
roughly what you're thinking if you're Dave Ziegler, Josh mm-hmm. McDaniels. That's probably what you're thinking you're trying to get. I think they would take that and have a smile on their face. <laughs> I mean, if you get anything. <laughs> right. Otherwise, exactly. you're releasing them and you get nothing. Exactly. So you take that. Well, Tom, thank you so much for your time. What do you got coming out? What are you working on that we, we need to be paying attention to besides Derek Carr watch? <laughs> we got, Andrew, how many hours of TV do we got on Sunday morning? <laughs> Eight and a half nice. hours, live TV. I don't even know. I just know i got to wake just up early it, right? on Sunday morning. So <laughs> me, Ian Rapport, Mike Garofolo, we'll have a set uh, on the field. Yep. We'll do news with the three of us. I think it's like once an hour the whole morning. So, I mean, this is wild. I made the list of, you know, story, the biggest storylines in the offseason before I came here, and it was like 43 of them. Wow. So there's, <laughs> there's a lot going <laughs> a lot on. Of material the quarterbacks there. <laughs> is a big part of right. it. But there, there's just so much uh, so much happening. Two, still two head coaching searches, too. Yeah. So. It's going to be a big uh, 72 hours or so here. Well, we'll be locked in, man. You guys do great work, and we definitely appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, guys. There he went, Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network. That's getting us started on this Friday, February 10th, 2023. Of course, Super Bowl 57 is on Sunday. Excited about that. Going to keep the party rolling. Coming up next, former Raider fullback Alec Ingold. He'll join the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Thanks to Subaru of Las Vegas on Rainbow in the 215. Back here at the Convention Center, it's Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Damon Cotton and your boy Q. Rocking with you until 5 p.m. And there's still a lot of folks making their way around the Convention Center, so we have a hell of a lineup. We may be adding to our lineup of folks that we talk to, depending on how some things shake out. But earlier uh, this afternoon, myself and Damon had an opportunity to catch up with Alec Ingold, former Raider fullback turned Miami Dolphin fullback, still a fan favorite, I know, and uh, has a hell of a story and a brand new book that he has out. Here's that conversation. We're back here on Radio Row. It's Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We're in Phoenix, Arizona, the Phoenix Convention Center. Thanks to Subaru of Las Vegas, the Spearman Rhino as well, for helping us get out here. And right now, we're pleased to have former Raider fullback and current Miami Dolphin fullback Alec Engel with us at the table. And Alec, how you doing, my man? Hey, I'm, I'm living life, man. It's good to see you guys. Good to be back. I saw, uh, I was out by the Pro Bowl in Vegas and it was a great time to be back. See a bunch of the boys, Foster and uh, AJ and those guys. So, um, yeah, man, it's cool to cool to be in the environment, in the NFL little wheelhouse right now. What did you think of the, the Pro Bowl, the way that they did it, set it up at Allegiant, just turned it into a flag football game, all that? It was impressive. And I think the cool thing was the branding they did for the individual guys that made it, right? Because mm-hmm. that's how it's started was growing the game networking marketing and the game is so big now so to take away you know what is or was the game into let's let's make these guys superstars man let's get them personalized let's take the helmet off let's let's introduce them to the fans to Mm -hmm. the community Uh, I think they did an amazing job so I think that's what's really cool is just kind of adjusting like tweaking it a little bit and you know, I, I think five, ten years from now, it's going to make these little small tweaks, and it's going to be outstanding. Well, that's something that you've always done. You've always taken the helmet off and been, you know what I mean, and, yeah. and been one with the community, and that's why you were a fan favorite when you are in Vegas, and I'm sure you're a fan favorite in Miami as well, you know, just because that's your personality. That's always been so important to you. Where, where did that always come from for you? I think it's growing up in Green Bay. Like, anytime I saw Donald Driver or William mm-hmm. Henderson at the grocery store, I thought it was the coolest thing ever, you yeah. know, and – just kind of having that perspective and never losing that, you, you see the impact in growth you can combine forces with and how relatable these guys are. You know, you, you have a conversation with Amon Green about video games, and I'm like, right. no, no way this running back <laughs> plays video games, right? But that's just, that, that is what it is. So being relatable, taking the helmet off, just being a human being, I think that's what's really cool and what a lot of guys are able to do now with the platforms that they have. Alec Ingold is our guest here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got one for you. I've got to ask you about the move to Miami because for me, what Mike McDaniel does with his offense, it's so unique and it's so innovative. He was to sold me. by day one, oh, by the man. way. I just I want you to it. know he was sold yeah. day one. No, I mean, it's big time now. It's, uh, <laughs> Coach Mike is awesome. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Was oh, no, I was question? just going to ask you, what do you think about the way that he uses you? Sometimes I saw you lining up at wideout, the way you were like a bubble screen to Tyreek, and you're like the lead blocker already. What did you think about the way he implemented you in the offense? The positionless football that we were playing was amazing. So it, it takes a lot of mental strain to do that, right, mm-hmm. to be able to line up in all these different, you know, called – call the different formations, different personnel groups. But once you get it and once you get the, the fundamental gist of the offense, all of a sudden it just unlocks the key to so much offense, so much play calling, so much creativity. So it's fun to see guys line up in all these different spots. Tyreek, obviously, myself. Um, 
being able to just blend the whole offense, be able to play different positions, tight end, running back, wide receiver, whatever it was at that time, uh, it gives the defense so many looks. And then it's like, oh, we're going to start here. Now we're going to shift over here. And then we're pre pre motion over there. And it's like <laughs> you're back and forth. So it is really fun. With all that speed that you guys had on the field and all the weapons, did you just sit back in awe? Or did you say, hey, man, coach, I'm still here too. I want to touch the ball <laughs> hey, a little bit more. <laughs> one, of those, one of those moments of like, yeah, uh, we're playing the Ravens and just like the amount of – big plays explosives it's like okay like I love running the ball but like we could just score the ball that way too and it's just a lot easier for everyone if just Tyreek <laughs> can just run down the field so it was cool to be able to have an offense that was so explosive uh, so many big plays so many big opportunities but then we could be methodical when we needed to um, I think that was really cool Something else that I wanted to ask you about is when you guys have had that shift in your season with Tua Tungavailoa, you know, obviously having the injuries. Now, I know that the locker room may have been a little down and worried about your quarterback, but did you guys feel a sense of, hey, man, we can still rally for this season? Because it had to have been some uncertainty in the locker room. Yeah, a lot of guys had to step up, and I think that's that's the name of the game, right? And your quarterback's your leader. That's the guy that you're, you're rallying around always, trying to protect. And um, it made a lot of guys be accountable, step up get uncomfortable with different roles that you had to, to kind of dive into. And I think it was better long-term for a lot of guys to have that responsibility, that accountability. Um, so now we're going to learn how to win a number of different ways, whether it's offensive slugfest or defensive slugfest. And uh, we went through all of that this year. How quickly do you get back into the mode of, okay, let's start getting ready for next year? Uh, it doesn't take very long, especially mm. when you lose that last game. Only one team, you know, is really winning and right. feeling good about themselves. So, you know, you take a little bit of time with the family, just recharge, recoup. But, um, yeah, I know a number of guys I can't wait to get back in the facility and back in South Florida. It's like um, dudes are hungry. It's a sour taste in their mouth going up to uh, Buffalo and losing to a division rival again. That was the rubber match that we wanted to, you right. know, kind of stamp right. and say, you know, you're going to put us 14-point you know, dogs. No, we're going to show up. And we're going to play with Skyler Thompson. We're going to let it rip. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of guys are motivated by some of those moments uh, that we really just missed out on. I'm not going to lie to you. With the weather conditions that they had, I was like, there's no way these boys are going to come from Miami to go to Buffalo and handle that. And Y'all went out there like, what is this weather? This weather don't mean nothing yeah. to us, right? I mean, you, when you guys went out there with that purpose and scored immediately and scored again, I was like, okay, hold on. Yeah. Like that, I mean, was that something that going into that week, like we're not going to let the elements affect us? No, that's top down. That's uh, adversity's opportunity was the first thing that Coach McDaniel said in the team meeting. Mm -hmm. Adversity's opportunity. Own that. Embrace it make it a part of you, every fiber of your being. Like, we are going to see every element. We want it. We're looking for it. We're going to wait for it, and yeah. it's, it's expected. So um, having that top down from the jump and then seeing it all the way throughout the, the whole season, I think that kind of prepared everybody to go in there and just say, like, it don't matter. We're, we're here regardless. Right. Well, you guys did a heck of a job. And speaking of adversity, your book I got in my hand right now, The Seven Crucibles, an inspirational game plan for overcoming adversity in your life. This is your book. I mean, what did this mean for you to put this together? It was a lot, man. I was I was scared when I was writing that thing. Yeah. At that moment, mm -hmm. like I'm lonely, man. It's it's you're on the the training table at the facility on um, you know Raiders Way, and yeah. you don't know what that future looks like. The interim coach, you don't know what the coaching situation is going to shake out like. You don't know what that future is. You don't know if you're playing football ever again. Right. And to go through all of that, I was like, I need to find a purpose. I need to find a way to connect this fear. It's I was overcome, and then I started to realize I'd been through it before. There's different moments in my life that I've faced it, whether it's just life, whether it's sports, high school, college. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, a lot of people go through this. Everyone's going through something. So let's break this down. Let's work it out. Let's figure out the root problem of this, and let's write a book so that people can relate on something big time. As an NFL player, what do you think is your best way to deal with anxiety? Because I know from the outside world, hey, you guys are millionaires. There's nothing to worry about. But those everyday fears or anxieties, am I doing well in my job? Am I getting enough out of my job? That's got to go through your head as well. Yeah, anytime you're in a production-based business, right, mm -hmm. like there is a black and white production. Like you succeed or you fail. Yep. Mm -hmm. There's going to be anxiety. So that's football. And you talk about NFL, that's the highest of the highs and lowest of the lows. But there, that is everyone's job that's everyone's life right and you want to produce you want to be good you want to take that next step you have this ambition you have goals it's like that's that's all relatable right there so um as nfl guys we're blessed we got a team of guys that are open and, and talking about it uh you have that support system that's there for you whether it's uh wifey you know family members whatever that is but um 
Yeah, man, it's uh, finding that support system in your life, and that's one of the crucibles that I talk about is that support. So, uh, man, it's uh, it's cool. to. I, I'm excited for you guys to dig into it and uh, to read it. A.J. Cole says the seven crucibles is an exceptional guide to overcoming adversity and dealing with uncertainty. I can attest that not only are these seven crucibles valuable pillars, but that Alec lives his life with them in mind every single day. Learn how to change your outlook and respond like a champion. When you hear your former teammate talk about you like that and talk about the, the, the work that you have here that's in my hand right now. What does that mean? It's unbelievable, man. I think being named a team captain was another one of those yeah. moments where it's just respect, it's it's responsibility, it's accountability, and having that in the locker room, those are your peers you show up with every day. So for AJ to write that, I didn't even have to pay him. I didn't give him no $5 <laughs> bill or nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, just, he just wrote it out in the text, and it's like to have somebody believe in you like that, to see it, that's who you go to work with every day. That's the type of man you are, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a consistent, you know, you can't just show up one day and have that, you know, be your right. be your stamp of legacy or whatever you want to call it. So, no, man, it's it's been a, a work in progress. I think we're always going to be a work in progress, and that's kind of just embracing this whole journey we're on. And life happens. Life, it, it never stops. You know what I mean? It's life happens, yeah. yeah. That's real. That's, this is awesome. I, I like it. Let everyone know where they can get this book. Yeah, we can go Amazon.com, The Seven Crucibles right there. Otherwise, AlecIngold.com will bring you to the link. You can buy it right there. Yeah, man, I mean, you get it. You go on Amazon right now, you get it in two days. And it's going to be right there, um, and you can knock it out in a coffee shop. You know what I'm saying? It's an yeah. easy read. It's digestible. Uh, quick flight. It's a great read. Um, yeah, easy to carry in your back pocket, man, wherever you're at. You've always been such an inspiration. You know what I mean? Like, you've always been that guy. Right. It, Whereas it's, it's, it's bigger than sports. It's bigger than wins and losses. It's always... It feels like everything that, and I don't know you like we're best friends or anything, but just from our interactions, you've always had that it's got to be bigger and I've got to give back. I think that gives you that, that purpose behind all the hard stuff, right? Like yeah. we're going through hard things. Mm -hmm. It is hard to be an NFL football player. It's hard to go through life. That doesn't change. So like for me, I, like visually, you know, when you put a, a helmet on, the guys represent, you know, that you collect on that. When you have that jersey on, that, that nameplate on the back, yeah. you know, some guys, it's like, that's my family, that's my support system. For me, it's like anybody that I've impacted, I've, I've been along this journey on, coaches, parents, teachers, that like that, I, I take that responsibility with like a heavy heart. I'm going to be there for those people on a Sunday to give them some entertainment because they invested so much into me. I want to pour back into them. And that's just a life of abundance, and that's just being a good person and just trying to be a better person tomorrow than I am today. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, it, it gives you that little extra catalyst to, to do all the hard things we need to do. And that's why you had a C on your chest. That's exactly why you had a C on your chest. Alec, thanks so much for your time, man. It's, it's great catching up with you, and you're still a fan favorite of the Silver and Black. As you know, <laughs> anytime you come to Vegas, everyone's like, Alec is here, Alec is <laughs> let's here. Go. Let's, yeah, let's First go. touchdown in Allegiant Stadium. Hey, can't take that one away. Can never take that away. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on Radio Row. Appreciate the time, guys. There he goes, former Raider fullback. Uh, that was Alec Ingold. He's now with the Miami Dolphins, but he's a crowd favorite, right? He's, he's a Raider fan. He's a Raider favorite uh, forever. He always is, and he got the first touchdown there at Allegiant Stadium. Now we're going to keep the party rolling. We're here on Radio Row. It's the, it's the Convention Center here in Phoenix, and uh, blessed to have the president of the Washington Commanders, Jason Wright, with us. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing great, doing great. I'm happy to be on with y'all. Man, I appreciate you. You know, we, we were alerted a couple days ago that you were going to be here, and so I was like, I want to get Jason on. You know, it's so many parallels, you know, going on with Washington and the Raiders, and it just makes a lot of sense. And so we hadn't been able to catch up with you. And also yeah. my guy was like, Q, Jason's over there. And I saw <laughs> and I looked at this TV, and I was like, oh, hold on. I got it. I made a beeline. This guy was like, well, you want me to go? And I was like, no. <laughs> I'm going right now. I got to go over there, and I got to make sure I talk to him. Well, so Sa Sandra knows this, and Mark knows this. Uh, I'm always available to you all however I can help because in my heart, I'm a fan of the silver and black. I grew up in L.A. When yeah. the Raiders were in L.A., my dad and I had season tickets. I would play Pop Warner football and then drive to the Coliseum, still in my football pads. Nice. Go sit in our nosebleed seats and cheer on Howie Long and Tim Brown yeah. and Marcus Allen. And, I, I mean, man, it, it was in my blood. So I'm always, I'm always pulling for y'all, except when we play y'all. <laughs> I obviously want to smash you into the ground. Understandable. But, but when we're not playing, y'all, I'm always pulling for y'all. And um, you've got great leadership in place. Um, Sandra is a remarkable leader. Yeah. Um, and you guys are in really good hands. You know, when she was hired, there was always going to be people, as you know, there's going to be people that are going to question, well, why, you know, why was she hired? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, have you seen her resume? I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Put someone up against it. Right. And, and, and it's a wrap. Yes. It's a wrap, especially with her legal background, mm-hmm. having overseen the growth of legalized sports betting in the marketplace. I mean, this is if you could tailor make somebody right. for this role at this time for this team in Vegas, it's her. Right. No it's doubt her. about it. Absolutely. Again, the president of the Washington Commanders, Jason Wright, is with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Something I want to ask you about is this Super Bowl matchup is we're going to be seeing two black quarterbacks starting in the Super Bowl. I just want to get your thoughts about that and it being February. And I mean, for us, um, it it ties back to our legacy in Burgundy and Gold um, and Doug Williams. Yeah. 35 years ago this year, Doug Williams was the first black Super Bowl winning quarterback. And in my household, that made him royalty. Right. And I think that's his way. He's, He's royalty to the black community. He's royalty to the NFL community. He's certainly royalty to the D.C. community. And so I first think about him how game-changing that was and how it was a way for the rest of the world to visibly see black talent excel in a place where it didn't normally show up and mm-hmm. excel. Um, and that's, this is the fruit of that. Right. Now we are, we're talking about it, and that's right, and we should celebrate it. But over the course of the year, we didn't bat an eye mm-hmm. when there were black folks excelling at quarterback in this league and, uh, and, 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 and creating winning and championship teams. Uh, that shows how far we've come. Um, and it will only get better from there. And I think any time that any sort of talent, black, white, green, yellow, purple, um, right. can be normalized mm-hmm. in a space where it hasn't been present, it's a really good thing for us. And that's what we're witnessing in this Super Bowl. It really is. And you were the first black president, team president of an NFL team. Sandra is the first woman black president of an NFL team. And, you know, it's, it's funny we talk about it and so many people say, yes, they're the first, but it's a shame that, they're the first yeah right that it took so long to be the first so you want to be celebrated for being the first but you sure don't want to be the last that's right you know and and sandra mentioned that even in our introductory press conference she was like yes i am but i just want i just want to go in there and do my job and be the best i could be and be an example for everybody that's it that's it i mean on the field it's a copycat league right i think off the field it's also a right 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 and if you have Diverse talent, mm-hmm. no matter what its shade, its creed, its background, um, leading well, uh, creating really lucrative, uh, good financial businesses that are able to fund championship teams. People are going to look around and say, maybe I should do that, too. Right. Um, and, and I'm glad that we went from it took 100 years to get to one black president, but it took two and a half years to get to five. Right. And that's good progress. No, you're right. That's that's phenomenal progress. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. What have you found to be the biggest challenges for you? And it doesn't even have to do with diversity, just the job. Yes. I <laughs> mean, and, and, and you guys have faced this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are things that can extend beyond the field. Right. That can muddy the narrative about uh, the winning culture you're building or uh, the health of the organization in the building and the talented people that are around that. And sometimes it has nothing to do with the people who are currently in the building. It's no fault of the people that are currently in right. the building. But you still got to bear that. Yeah, of course. You still have to navigate your organization through that. Um, and we've navigated through transition. We had to establish a healthy culture. Uh, we ended up establishing not only that, but also with the most diverse leadership team in mm-hmm. the league. Uh, and then we had to change the name, a name that, while anybody might have some kind of feelings of its racial connotations, our fans right. loved it. Right, of course. They loved it. Yeah, legendary. Everybody loved yep. it. Um, Iconic. And so we had to change something that nobody wanted to be changed right. and somehow unify ourselves around it. Um, so we have built the resilience to take our organization through transition. And now we're coming out the other side of another transition moment. And now we're going to be able to reap the benefits of all that we have created. Ron creating great culture on the football side and a strong roster and us creating a healthy business with talented, diverse folks leading it. And now the sky's the limit. We will be the Washington of the past that Mm -hmm. was at the top of the league, both on and off the field. I'll say I was a big fan of just the Washington football team. I kind of like that name. It was it was. And and this is why I used to tell everyone and they used to think I was silly. I'm like, man, it's just so clean. It's almost like a white tee. Yeah. Right. You know, just like a white tee or some white Air Force Ones. That's right. Simple, clean, crispy. Yeah, I was with it. I was like, You know what the problem was? You know what the problem was? The the thing that our fans didn't like about the name is when football team showed up by itself. Uh, Because that was whack. Yeah. It Mm -hmm. was Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, football team. Yeah. We could never avoid that. Right. Because all the algorithms just pull first name, last name. Mm. Las Vegas, Raiders. Right. Washington, football team. Right. It was like, ah, we can't avoid that. Yeah. And we go to another direction, and it's really hard to – 
trademark something that's just Washington. <laughs> that's <laughs> the other part. I have no doubt. Hey, look, look, you're in your position for a reason. You you know what you're doing, right? I'm just I'm just a cat but sitting I, there. But I fooled with it too. Right? I fooled with it. I ain't mad. Yeah. Something that I wanted to ask you. You mentioned about the name, the name change of the team, and then everything that happens before you even step foot in the building. How much has your problem solving skills improved by taking this job? <laughs> you know, if they've changed. You know, I was a partner at McKinsey and Company for almost a decade prior to that, mm -hmm. and. Um, so complex, difficult business problems were what I cut my teeth at. You right. know, and I argue I was, even, I was better at that than I was in my career <laughs> on the field. Um, but this was different because when you're in the operator's chair and when you're doing it in a moment of crisis where mm -hmm. decisions have to be made quickly, you can't always have all the data. You can't always have all the analysis. You can't always have clean information. Right. Sometimes you've got to follow your gut. Yeah. And that was new for me. That was new for me. But I'll tell you what, whether it was the type of people I kept around me in the organization, the direction we went with the business, the things we chose to invest in for the players or the facilities, when I went against my gut, it always turned out wrong. Yeah. Because there's a measure of wisdom in there mm -hmm. that doesn't just exist in your head and right. in your brain. And when I talked myself out of those gut decisions, it went sideways. And when I trusted my gut, even when there was a little bit of data to the contrary, it worked out. And so it's changed mm -hmm. the way I've been as a problem solver. Um, and I think improved and strengthened me as a leader um, on the other side of all the, the challenge we've had. Was that a gut feeling to take the job? Yes. You know, because Mark, <laughs> and, and the reason I yes. said this is because Mark Davis said, I didn't interview Sandra. Sandra interviewed me. I love it. You know, I like, it. like I, love I had to sell her on the job. She didn't yep. have to sell me. To, you know, like, yep, that's right. So I'm Same. assuming it was a gut feeling for you Same. as well. Yeah. There, I, no shortage of people told me not to take the job. Right. Um, but for me, the opportunity was too great. The mm -hmm. opportunity to transform a culture that needed to shift into something good. And I knew I knew how to do that in right. my previous job. To take an iconic franchise name and identity and evolve it into a new one. Especially in the context of the racial discussion we were having in the country. Yeah, That, that was something I couldn't pass up. The opportunity to... Uh, seek and build a new venue, state-of-the-art venue, like y'all have done with the Legion. Right. Legion is my favorite stadium in the league. Ours uh, too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Good, and I'm biased, right? Because I'm a Raiders <laughs> fan. So when I see all the lore and the history right. and all that, right. like I, I lean into it. But I think it's very Vegas. It's very mm -hmm. Raiders. It's on the nose. It's been lucrative for y'all as a business. Yeah. It's really well done. Um, we have the opportunity to do the same thing and see it as a 30-year economic development project that can change the outcomes for the Washington, D.C. area. And that heavily influences black and brown communities that haven't seen that kind of investment for right. some time. So I was going to take it for those reasons alone in spite of what other folks said. And that came from my gut and from my heart, yeah. my values, the things that drive me. And I think it's probably similar for you guys. And that's why I pull for you all so mad. <laughs> except for when. It's, except for when we're playing you. Again, Which, again makes I sense. want you all to lose by a million. <laughs> right? And I will point out the last time we came there, you did lose. There you, <laughs> there's that. There's that. I remember that game. I do remember that yeah, game, Jason. Thanks, thanks for kicked, bringing that I one up. I kicked it in Vegas, did great business, and beat y'all tail. I'll tell you right now, <laughs> there was an opportunity for Trayvon Merrick to intercept the ball at the end that would have sealed the That's deal right. for the game, and he dropped That's it. Right. That's right. He you dropped know, it. You know, he brings that up <laughs> there's, something about if, there's something about ifs and buts and all that I know, stuff, I know. know I mean? yeah. When you being a former player, do you yes. ever have that itch to maybe give your input on the personnel side or maybe just, <laughs> hey, man, you know, I know a thing or two, too, you know. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I actually, I probably devalue my experience mm -hmm. playing too much. Um, but uh, Ron is a very collaborative leader. Yeah. Um, and I like to think I am too. And he does like to pull on me for my experience and my thoughts when he's making some of those decisions. And I like to pull on him for right. those as well. That man is smart as hell. Yes, he is. He went to Cal. Yeah. He, he's, he's a Cali guy. Yep. He went to Cal. Um, he's a business thinker. Mm -hmm. And so when I have ideas on marketing and branding and campaigns, I pull that to him, too. And so, yeah, we do have cross-pollination. We do collaborate. But, you know, they've got a wealth of experience, expertise, and tools that extend beyond my own. And so they don't need me building the roster, and I don't need them building my financials. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, look, they needed you when you got there. They needed you for every reason we've already yeah. talked about. I always felt like they needed Ron Rivera, too. Absolutely. You couldn't hire just any coach in that time. Yes. He always – I've always respected the hell out of him. When I think about Ron, I, uh, there's a few words that pop to mind. And, and the first one is stability. Mm -hmm. Stability. Um, integrity. Yep. Um, focus. Um, honesty. You know, and those are things that we desperately needed right. when he took over. 
when he took over this organization and he's been true to those um, he's created a, a set of he's brought a set of people around him that espouse those same values um, and he's brought in a caliber of guys on the roster obviously very diverse types different types of yeah. leadership and talents but all of them at their core good folks mm -hmm. who you can trust to do the right things and I, I believe that's what's going to set us up for success. Well, I, I, I trust in him. I trust in you. I, I mean, just, just getting a few minutes to talk with you is, is awesome. But even just observing what you've been doing from a distance and now knowing what Sandra's got going on with the Raiders, I, I'm excited about, uh, you know, the whole culture change and culture movement. And, you know, I always say that, you know, we talk about diversity and coaching and, and, and upper management. And I say it just takes one, like you said earlier, to believe and then see it and then say, you know what, I'm pretty comfortable with that too. That's we right. all do what we're comfortable with. That's right. And we bring in people that we're comfortable with. That's right. You know? That's right. That's exactly it. And uh, I'm, I'm happy for y'all. Y'all are on a great trajectory. And um, under Mark and Sandra's leadership, sky's the limit. I think so. I think so. Well, Jason, thanks so much. Uh, how, how much How much more Radio Row are you going to soak in? Man, I'm up out of here. <laughs> <laughs> My man. My man, 50 grand right there. That's the president of the Washington Commanders. Jason Wright with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Thanks to Subaru of Las Vegas on Rainbow in the 215. Just had the president of the Washington Commanders, Jason Wright, on with us. Fantastic stuff. That's how it is. We have a whole lineup of interviews that we want you to hear. Literally a whole lineup. But we had the opportunity to get Jason on live and be right there. Johnny on the spot, we had to take it. And uh, I'm glad we did. Really good stuff. I thought he dropped some great knowledge and great nuggets on us. Uh, just a little while ago. So if you missed that, you can hear it later on LVSportsNetwork.com. That's something that we might run back on Monday when we get back to the home studio. That's a that's a banger. And, and, and I, I'm saying this, and I'll tell you right now, we found out about Jason Wright coming into town. What was it, Wednesday? Yeah, it was Wednesday mm -hmm. that we found out. Wednesday evening I got an email saying that he was coming in. And I, well, I wasn't too pleased with our Wednesday performance. I thought we did okay. Uh, and so we were – just leaving dinner, and that's the night that dinner sucked. We went to this place that we thought we were going to have a fantastic meal, and the steak was, well, it was okay. But it was like they bragged about how great the food was supposed to be, and it wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't, my expectations were too high because of the way they bragged about it. So it wasn't really that good. So I wasn't really in the best mood while we were walking to the, we were walking to uh, our, our Airbnb, not our Airbnb, we were walking to the, the car to go to our Airbnb, and we're literally walking past this place that we, we have stopped at every night, uh, Marley's. This is right across the street from the convention center. And I'm reading my email on my phone at the same time, and it says, Q, Jason's going to be in town. Um, you know, makes a lot of sense for you guys to have him on since, you know, Sandra Douglas Morgan is the president of the Raiders. Like, it goes into an explanation that I didn't need. I was like, yes, I'm sold <laughs> as, soon as, I, as soon as I know he's there. I mean, that's the president of, of the Washington Commanders, right? Yeah, hell yeah, I want to have him on. So I emailed him back and was and said, hey, you know, yes, we'd love to have him on. He said, okay, great. I'll, I'll get with you in a little while. You can have him on tomorrow. So that was supposed to be Thursday. So instead of making our move to the, the, our car, I immediately canceled our uh, Uber and was like, oh, we're going to go into Marley's. We're going into Marley's for some drinks. <laughs> I mean, I was, I, I, I was pumped. You know, I was, I was like, that's the way to start a Thursday, and it was only Wednesday. So I was like, that's the way to start a Thursday is by getting confirmation that you're going to have a president of the Washington football team on, and then it never happened. And so then it happened today, and that's fantastic. So uh, Lindsay in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, great job navigating and dealing with us as we are kind of had our head on a swivel and we're kind of skating around. But uh, thank you very much for your fine work back in the home studio. Now, let's go to a conversation that we had a little while ago with the guy who's going to be on the call. We hear his voice all the time on Westwood One uh, on our very networks as he does a lot of different games, Thursday night football, Monday night football, whatever the – I mean, he does it all, right? Kevin Harlan, he's going to be on the call on the radio side of things for Super Bowl 57. Here's that conversation. Here we are back on Radio Row. Very excited to have our guy, Kevin Harlan, Westwood One, and a whole lot – Kevin, you have your hands in a little bit of everything. You do a lot of fantastic work, but we hear you, you locally on Westwood One all the time as Great. the broadcasters are here in Las Vegas. And uh, how exciting is this, this game on Sunday, oh. the Eagles and Chiefs? Only thing more exciting is if it would be in Las Vegas, which it will be next year. <laughs> uh, but, no, this is, this, is great. this is a great matchup. And, you know, this is the kind of matchup that I think everyone wants to see. you got the two number one seeds. you got 14-win teams. you got named quarterbacks. you got 
the, the teams that all year long have kind of been right. riding that crest, right? So it's natural that they should meet. I think it's going to be terrific. You know, it's so funny. People have asked me all week long who I think is going to win, and I, I keep going back and forth. I'll answer, as a matter of fact, with the team I think, but then in my mind I'm like, yeah, right. but. I'm the same way. <laughs> Q, I'm the same way. I keep thinking, I think i got a beat on it, but, right. but this could happen, and that could wipe out all that stuff. Exactly. And thus, I think it's going to be like a chess match. I think one mm -hmm. team's going to do something. Other team's going to respond. They're going to tweak this. They're going to maneuver that. Adjustments here. I think it's going to be that kind of game. I th these are – these are smart teams, yep. um, thoughtful teams. I, th I think they'll really be on top of their games on Sunday. I believe so as well. Kevin Harlan is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 on Necessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. When it comes to calling the game, it's the Super Bowl. It's the biggest game of the year. And I know you've done it a few times, but what's that excitement like to know that you're calling the big game? Juan, it is, it is about, uh, first of all, I love broadcasting and I love radio. And it is... Um, it is the most blessed day of my year <laughs> uh, uh, from a uh, professional standpoint. Right. I, uh, I, I, I think about the, the great broadcasters that have sat in that chair and broadcast that game and um, think about how lucky I am that they've had me back. This will be my 13th in a row to do this game. I never take it lightly. I say a little prayer of thanks uh, as I put on that headset after they've sung the anthem. And, um, and think about uh, it, this is about as good as it gets. And so I am incredibly thankful. So I'm excited and ready and buttoned down, but uh, at the same time, thankful, very thankful. Isn't it like that, though, when it comes to what we do and what you do on the broadcast, but you realize it doesn't matter if you're having a bad day, it doesn't matter if you're not quite feeling 100%. Once that mic is on and that, that you hit Something that button. Something about it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah just your go. adrenaline gets going. I guess it's like if you were playing, right? Right. I mean, did you guys play? You, did you play? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> don't don't pull him up like that. Now he's already feeling good about himself. <laughs> no, no. You guys look like you both. You both look like you could play. Anyway, I I, I think it's kind of it's kind of like playing. I think like when Mahomes, you know how how does he make that run late right. in that game against the Bengals? Mm -hmm. The adrenaline, the whatever it is that makes a guy do that. If we're not feeling our best, bad throat, headache, not achy, whatever, you still get out there and you do it. So I don't, I don't, uh, I've only missed, a, I think, one or two games because of sickness. I think one now that I think about it. I won't get into the details. It was not good. It was many, <laughs> many years ago. Right. But I was sick and I, I literally could not get out of bed. And, um, but most of the times you're feeling great. I'm hoping for good health on Sunday. And, Absolutely. And, and can go from there. No doubt, no doubt. Go ahead. What are some of the differences between calling a game on the radio as opposed to TV? Because I know that's you know it's the visual medium as yes. opposed to the audio medium. That's a great question. Um, radio, you're the boss. Radio, you, your words, your reporting skills, your cadence, your passion, uh, your, all, all that stuff comes out to create that picture in a listener's mind. And the theater of the imagination for anybody is so strong, almost stronger than if you saw the Thing happened right in front of your own eyes, right? And mm -hmm. uh, because if, if, if you're listening to it delivered the right way, um, it can be impactful. So I, I take great pride in, in, in those elements, and that's what I concentrate on. TV, the TV play-by-play -play guy is about the fourth most important guy there. It's the picture, which mm -hmm. is number one. It's the analyst, who's number two. Then it's the graphics and the replays and all that stuff, number three. And then the play-by-play -play guy, who right. is important, and there's a great skill in that, and I do that, you know, on Sundays for CBS, but with radio, uh, as opposed to being number four on TV, you're number one. And right. I like that challenge. I like the challenge of finding the right word that will describe what's going on and, and making it sound exciting to the person who's driving through Nevada or whatever. Uh, I, I, I like that challenge. Kevin Hartland is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. You were at Allegiant Stadium a few times this past yes, year. Yes, I was. You called a few Raider games, yes. and they didn't have the season that they wanted. How do you think – what do you? What did you see that they needed to do that they didn't do? I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. They needed the tight end healthy. Waller, right. they needed him healthy. Um, I, I, it seemed like they had – had the team i gotta tell you right going in i thought the afc west would be historically good i thought the mm -hmm. chargers would be terrific chiefs yep. were i thought denver would be much better with russ and i thought the raiders would be right there i mean honest to god i mm -hmm. I, I i no one was more surprised i did your first game in la right. against the chargers yeah i remember that and that was a good game it was car looked good and adams was sensational god he was good 
I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't I like I don't I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, isn't that just kind of the nature of what the league is? It's it's a couple plays here, a couple right. plays there, you know, and, and goes from being six and eleven to possibly eleven and six. It's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. It's just shocking what happens. But it shows you that the difference between these teams is minimal. Mm-hmm. And on any given day, one team can come up and bite the other one. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to predict a Super Bowl. It's certainly hard to predict a game in, you know, week six or week four or week nine. You know, team battling injuries, course of the season, the, the the ebb and flow of what a year is all about. But I did not, I did not see. I would say the Raiders' season was one of the most surprising things I've seen in a while in this league. I just, I just took me by surprise. You guys cover them every day, so right. you, I, don't, I don't know if you cover it every day. If sometimes you just, you know, so many, you know, where the skeletons have skeletons, so <laughs> so, you, so you kind of feel, so you kind of feel like, well, I, I knew this, you know, but when you're kind of just jump parachuting in like we do to do the games right. and, and and watching them from afar, you're thinking, wait a minute, that's Car and Adams like that. That's it, and 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 and. What's wrong? And the best runner in the game. Right. Jacobs, yeah. right? Yep. And maybe the best edge rusher in the game or one of the top three, certainly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Max, you know, so I, I don't know. I, what a question mark. Shocking. Yeah, it really, shocking. It really was. Well, and now game. he's gone. Now Carr's gone. Now he's <laughs> right, gone. Right, right. Now right, what? Right. Right? Now, now what happens? We've been asking that question all week. Now yeah. what happens? Like, what are they going to go to? Great question. Are they going to get a free agent? Like, who's better than Carr out there? I don't, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. There's a guy they're talking about, but he's not a free agent. But I'm going to tell you something, about so I'm going to tell you something. Carr told us early in the season. He said, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the problems is, is that um, I'm speaking this language, and they're teaching me another language. Mm-hmm. Well, in the NFL, man, you can't be thinking about what uh, – Kimosabi or what uh, you know, K-Pasa means. You, you got to be knowing. <laughs> you got to know yeah. what it means. Right, right. And 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 that's a problem. Absolutely. That's when you're thinking instead of going. Instead of doing. Yeah. Instead it, of doing. It, yeah. Exactly. Say it all the time. So, so, so that that that's an issue. Right. Uh, but they must have a plan. And and I'm gonna. I like both the guys. I like Josh. I like the GM. I like. I'm a fan of Mark. I I I I, I don't know. I just I just. I just don't know if that was the issue. Right. Well, I'll tell you this. If they don't have a plan, we'll be asking you the same question next year. (laughs) (laughs) But you'll be home. (laughs) You'll be in the big, big city. And that's going to be great. It will. By the way, CBS is televising from Las Vegas next year. Yeah, they are. And CBS has got people on the ground here. Uh, our number one directors here, other people from our front office, mm-hmm. Jan Sebatel is here from the communication. They are here yep. watching Fox. It's kind of a, kind of like a nice thing that the networks do. They kind of let the other one or the next one come in and see, lay of the land, see what it looks like. But yeah. going to Vegas is going to be special for our network. It's going to be big. Well, it's going to be very big. It's going to be big on Sunday when you're on the call. Big game. Oh, We're excited about I'm it. I'm excited, Kevin. Too. We appreciate you Thanks, being here guys. with us. Dude, Demond, thank you very much. Nice to meet you guys. There he goes, the great Kevin Harlan right there. One of my two favorite play-by-play voices ever. Again, I'll allow you to fill in the blank on who is the other. Oh, the Raiders are officially rolling out. Hold on. Marcus is officially rolling out. Hold up. Hold up. Look at the Marcus has got him. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What's up, Doc? I just want to interrupt this. Uh, your Regularly scheduled program. Show here. I just yep. want to say thank you to you, Q, and Damon, and to all the Raider fans listening to these two. They have done one hell of a job getting on the content, all the special guests out there. So uh, kudos to you both, and I uh, hope to see you in Vegas very soon. Yeah. Hey, look, as soon as we're done off the air, we're in the car riding back, brother. Safe travels. So, so absolutely. Thank you, guys. You all guys right, have been fantastic ya. as always, man. Great partners. There goes Marcus. He is the man making it happen. Appreciate y'all. 3 o'clock is the time. We'll come back, kick off hour number two of the show. Just like that, we got an hour in the books already. What? Are you serious? Yeah, you are. Nate Burleson, he'll kick things off. It's Rare News Radio 920.